He's known for dialogue and violence, but what if Quentin Tarantino's secret weapon was something entirely different? Today, I'm talking about an underrated appeal of Quentin Tarantino's movies. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I am talking about uh, what I've called the underrated appeal of Quentin Tarantino movies. And it's more, it's less to do with like, oh, here's like, uh, this is why they're awesome and why you, if you haven't embraced them as perfect, here's why. Um, It's more just something I've kind of noticed about him as a filmmaker and something that kind of lends his films to kind of appealing to a lot of people long term. Uh, regardless uh, of regardless of changes and trends and other things like that so yeah and it gets I get to dig into film history a little bit and dig into his influences and that's fun stuff for me so uh, yeah that's the inspiration for today's episode and I hope you enjoy it so I have a complicated relationship with Quentin Tarantino on the one hand, there's a lot of things I like about his movies, including his knack for dialogue, the heightened reality of his movie universe, and his throw-all-of-your-inspirations-into-every-movie approach to movie making. That's how you turn a B-movie premise of a Jewish battalion planning to kill the German high command during World War II and turn it into Inglorious Bastards. On the other hand, Tarantino is the epitome of the worst kind of movie bros, who seems unable to recognize faults in his own work, and will defend everything from racial epithets, sexual violence, and another shot of some woman's feet for no reason other than he seems to like it. But as I've gone through his movies recently, I've come to find something that I genuinely like about his movies, despite drifting between time periods, genres, and eras. And it's probably not what you think. So let's first talk about what people usually like about Tarantino movies. There are two things that people usually highlight in Tarantino movies. Dialogue and violence. And with good reason. Considering how many scenes in Tarantino movies involve two characters talking, people telling stories, or tense dinner scenes with people exchanging barely hidden barbs, it would be weird if you didn't mention his affection for dialogue. In many ways, Tarantino is one of the few modern directors whose movies, especially the early ones, would work almost as well as radio dramas as they do as films and that dialogue is often punctuated or interrupted by bloody violence. The amount of violence in his movies varies from project to project, i.e. the bloodbath of Kill Bill Volume 1 is the high watermark, whereas Jackie Brown has a handful of gunshots and beatings. But the threat and presence of lethal violence is the hallmark of Tarantino's films, often in the form of wish fulfillment, like wouldn't it be cool to beat a Nazi to death with a baseball bat, or blow up a, or blow a slave-owning piece of shit to bits. Blend those two together and you've got something that fits that adolescents and film nerds can sink their teeth into. And if there's anything that Tarantino is really good at, it is taking the aesthetics and attitude of 70s exploitation cinema and turning it into something more modern and critically acclaimed. So let's dig into his influences and how their impact can be felt in his films and how it leads to one of his secret weapons. So let's talk the language of exploitation cinema. Like a lot of film terms, exploitation cinema is something that's hard to put into words but easy to give examples for. Broadly speaking, exploitation cinema is going for shock value. The regular amount of sex, violence, and controversial content is amplified to get a rise out of the audience. It's also much more likely to be an exaggerated vision of reality compared to real life. Naturalistic line delivery is out the window, blood flows by the bucket, and there's probably going to be a lot of cursing and nudity for no reason. Fun stuff. 
Now, as over-the-top as exploitation cinema is, it's also its over-the-top nature also makes it a great venue to tackle controversial topics like racism, often in more abrasive but also head-on ways than classy movies do. It's how Machete, a movie about Tarant a movie by Tarantino's movie buddy Robert Rodriguez, who also loves him some exploitation cinema, might be the most direct and efficient message about Mexican immigrant fear, mongering, and the obsession with the border than about five other dramas on the same topic. And while Rodriguez's movies have always stayed in the straight exploitation angle, Tarantino has blended those exploitation tendencies with Oscar drama premises. So, for instance, Django Unchained is a movie where a movie gets shot across a room, rape, racial epithets are spat out a mile a minute, the soundtrack features a spaghetti western theme and Rick Ross, and has lines like, I like the way you die, boy. And it is also, for all its faults, a viscerally anti-slavery movie that portrays racists and slavers as the idiotic and terrifying monsters they were, with at least three Oscar-worthy performances from the main cast. They're also done practically, and the action is done for real. So let's get into doing stuff for real. Modern big-budget movie making has become obsessed with making things quicker and easier, almost always through the implementation of CGI. For instance, it's a lot cheaper to film on a green screen studio than to shoot on location in New York City, or even another city to fill in for New York. And as fun as they are, real explosions are expensive and carry a certain amount of risk with them. My general feeling is that if you can do it practically, you should, and then use CGI to fill in the gaps. Even something seemingly as small as having a physical sword that will be the reference point for the lightsaber you create with CGI later makes a big difference down the line. With Quentin Tarantino, he seems to be allergic to CGI, which is actually to his film's advantage. Now, part of this is because of the kind of stories Tarantino likes to tell. Almost all of his movies are about violent criminals who deliver monologues like it's their job, peppered in with the aforementioned violent outbursts. But all of said criminals are locations are either in the present day or in the past, which is a fancy way of saying it's easier to avoid non-practical effects when you don't have anything remotely science fiction about your work. And before Kill Bill, Tarantino hadn't really made an action movie before. But from Kill Bill to Death Proof to Inglorious Bastards, Tarantino's movies have gotten more action-packed than ever without leaning on digital effects. Kill Bill may have impossible fight physics, but it's hidden via years of kung fu cinema tricks used to hide wires, stunt doubles, and cuts. And Death Proof is done all for real, with stuntwoman Zoe Bell actually sliding back and forth on the hood of that car. And Eli Roth and company may have almost died on set shooting the final scenes of Bastards, but it's very cool regardless to see them in a theater literally going up in flames. It's also important to note that Tarantino's movies keep the scale down. His World War II movie doesn't feature battle scenes like Omaha Beach Landing and Saving Private Ryan. The Bride's Fight versus the Crazy 88 essentially takes place on one set, and The Hateful Eight uses a wagon and one set minus a few flashbacks. The bigger you make your movie, especially an R-rated one, the harder it typically becomes to keep costs down and earn your money back. So why are practical effects and practical action so important to Tarantino films? Well, I have a theory, and that's that practical effects improve shock value. The usual film geek gripe is that practical effects are great because they age better in the long run. CGI might help you cut some corners, but seeing uh, uh, people seeing your movie for the first time down the line will be able to spot the jank, especially as Ultra HD becomes ubiquitous, but that's a discussion for another day. And they absolutely do, because even in high definition, things like muzzle flash, explosions, and even puppet gremlins look better than the fake stuff. It's also, and this is my main thesis here, feels more real. 
My go-to example for this is John Carpenter's The Thing versus The Thing prequel and sequel made in the 21st century. Now, admittedly, the scales were already tipped in Carpenter's favor because he's a very good filmmaker who was also working with a masterful special effects makeup guy who crafted all of these monstrosities you see in the film by hand. But if it was closer to the, even if it was closer to the Toxic Avenger than a horror masterpiece, it would still feel more visceral and jarring and terrifying than the sequel because the CGI thing doesn't look or feel the same or even feel like much of a threat. Done poorly, CGI can take you right out of the movie and make what should have been a nail-biting moment into a laugh or a groan and just there. And if you're someone who prays to the altar of exploitation cinema, middling reactions are not what you want. You're trying to provoke. You're trying to shock. And CGI isn't always great at that. I'll use the first shootout at Candyland from Django Unchained to explain. If you haven't seen it, this scene is perhaps the bloodiest shootout I've ever seen, with a mixture of sound design and blood squibs earning their money, as the plantation house is turned into a house of horrors. It is legitimately jarring and overwhelming, not just because of the circumstances, but also because of how much blood is flying everywhere, and we see the wood popping off the walls and floor. It's legitimately overwhelming. Now try to imagine that the squibs were replaced by CGI blood spurts, and you couldn't see it covering Jamie Foxx's face. Or if the wounds on the men Django shoots looked a little off, it wouldn't hit the same. That's not a judgment on any production that has to use these tricks, by the way. Small action movies use CGI because this takes time and money, but it does make a difference. And by leaning on that exploitation cinema background, Tarantino can poke and prod the audience exactly how he intends to in the midst of a shootout. In essence, Tarantino is a modern exploitation filmmaker who likes to use the language of exploitation cinema to pack a bigger punch. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.